Well, good morning. How you doing today? It's good to see you guys, too. It's always, see, when you're a preacher, you always got to worry about, will they invite you back? Right? Because if they don't, you've done something either really right or really wrong. But either way, you don't know. So, always appreciate you guys having me back. Uh, we have a good time with it. Um, I'm going to jump right in today because we got a lot to cover, and I don't want to keep you past lunch. So we're going to jump right in. So here's the big question of the day. All right? What do you think about? What comes to your mind when you think about God? See, because how you answer that question, what, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Whatever it is, whatever it is you think about, whatever comes to mind when you think about God becomes, it's the most important thing about you because, you see, how you see God decides how you're going to relate to God. How you relate to God determines how close you can ever actually get to God and and how much you spend in His presence. And that's going to then dictate and really define how you live your life. And it's going to define your life in this world, but also in eternity. And so it's a really big question. What, what comes to mind when you think about God? And for so many, it's, it's different, right? For a lot of people, they think, they think God's just an angry God. They think he's just angry. He's got a lightning bolt in one hand. He's just waiting to zap you the next time you mess up, right? That, that he's keeping a list of everything. And so when, when that's your image of God, everything you do comes from a place of fear. And you're still going to come to church, but it's out of obligation, not out of worship. You're going to sing songs, but again, it's just out of ritual, not out of of pouring your heart out to Him. You're operating out of a place of fear, and because of that, you're always going to keep God at a distance. And you're not ever going to really draw close to Him, and so it's going to affect how you live your life. Or maybe, maybe God's just a sleepy old man up in the clouds. Yeah, God created all this, and he put the stars in the sky and all that, and then he gave the old globe a spin, and now he's just sitting back. And he's not really close. He's not really engaged in your day-to-day at all. He's just, he's just kind of there. So you believe in God, but you don't really, he doesn't have any bearing on your day-to-day life and activities. Or maybe he's just completely absent. You, you know there is a God, but it doesn't change how you live doesn't change your relationships, doesn't change what you do. It doesn't, nothing really depends on it. He's so distant that it's really even hard to remember he's up there sometimes. That you just, you just struggle with this idea of being able to be close to God. Or maybe any number of other things. But again, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this month, right? I'm here, I think, three out of four this month, and so... This is the approach we're going to talk about, because what I want you to do is when we're done at the end of November, I don't want you to go home and say, well, I see God the way Dave told me I should see God, or I see God the way Ron told me, or my parents told me, or I heard from a preacher on TV. I want you to see God the way God wants you to see him. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, and that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do, we're just going to start with a word of prayer today, all right, because this is a big topic. And we're going to need all the help we can get to get through it, all right? Heavenly Father, God, we just love you. Uh, we, we thank you. God, you are, you are a perfect and loving Heavenly Father. 
And so, God, over these next few minutes, over these next few weeks that we get to talk, God, just open our hearts, open our minds to you. Help us to see you the way you want us to, the way you meant for us to see you as you revealed yourself to us through Jesus, through your word, and through the lives of so many around us. God, we just pray for your blessing on all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, so... uh, I don't know how you see God. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. But as you read Scripture and you really begin to to examine how God reveals Himself to us, the number one way He reveals Himself to us is as Father. Right? He just wants us to have that that parent-child relationship. He wants us to call Him Dad. Now I don't know about you, but that may be hard. Uh, for me, uh, here's how I illustrate it. About 20 years ago, almost 21 now, I asked my wife to marry me. But before I did that, I had to have a conversation with her father, right? Because I'm old school enough where you got to ask permission before you ask the question. And so I got my courage up. And listen, can you can, can I tell you? It's so much easier now. It's hard, harder now to ask. Like so, young men, if you're waiting to ask, man, that's tough. There's pressure. You got social media. Um, our youth minister down at Jinx asked ask his then girlfriend to marry him just a few weeks ago, and he had to plan it out like three days worth of events and and photographers. It maybe not have been that bad, but it was a lot. So for me, it was a lot easier. I just showed up at her house at Christmas and said, "Hey, let's do this." Uh, it was a little more formal than that, but it was about that simple because uh, that was about all the words I could get out. But before I had to ask her dad, and so. I remember I drove to Dallas where, where her folks lived, and I thought, he doesn't have any sons. He has all daughters. So how can I get on his good side? Manual labor. That's what I can do. I can do some housework. I can do some things. And in the process, he'll be so happy that I'm doing some work around the house for him, he'll just say yes. So I got this bright idea that it would be a good day to clean out the, the leaves out of the gutters, right? It's fall day, kind of like today. Leaves have started falling. They've got a two-story house. Here I am up on a roof way higher than any human should ever be on a roof, and one of, one of a number of bad things could happen. I could fall off and die and never get to marry her. He could say no, and I could never get to marry her. Or the worst of all, he could say yes and then follow it up with, and I want you to call me dad. No, no, no. You are Mr. Simpson. You are Don if we're feeling friendly watching football, but you are not dad, right? Because dad's a personal thing. Whether you had a great dad or you've got a terrible dad, it's a personal thing. It carries a lot of weight. carries a lot of emotion. And I don't just throw that out lightly. Like, I didn't want to just call some other guy dad like that. And if you call your in-laws mom and dad, God bless you. That's great for you. For me, it's like worst nightmare. Like, I just couldn't. I got a dad. I'm dealing with him, right? I don't need another one. So you're Mr. Simpson still to this day, right? But that, that's kind of what we do, this, this concept of dad. And so when we talk about how God wants us to view him as father, like, well, listen. I'm okay with sovereign God, holy God, creator God, almighty God, but dad, but father, that's very intimate, very personal. It's really hard, and it's hard for a number of reasons. It's a little bit weird even, right, because he's God, 
and he's huge and I'm small. That he's, he knows everything about everything, and I know just enough about me to know I'm not worthy to call him dad, to call him father. Right? He's perfect, and I am most certainly not. So the whole thing is a little weird, but the whole thing also gets really complicated. Because what happens is we begin to view God through the lens of our earthly dad experiences. We begin to project that back on him. And for some of us, that's not a great thing because as we begin to look, maybe your father was loving and caring and a great example, and that's fantastic. But as I've done ministry now for two decades, when people think of dad when they hear father, their mind doesn't always go to provider and caretaker. It goes to abusive, angry, aggressive, or it just goes to absent. They don't even know, and that, that whole re- relationship is hard to imagine. And, and I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about how you're a dad or not a dad or what. It's tough. I've, that's one of mine right here, right? She follows me around like a shadow, and I love it, but someday she won't. I've got a second one at home. Being a dad's tough. It, it's a hard thing. And it, it just changes the way we see God. And so that's the hurdle. And I set all that up just for that. That's the hurdle. No matter what angle you come at this from, we all have some kind of dad experience. So the idea of calling God Father is going to be trouble. It's going to be complicated. It's going to be difficult. And it's going to be a little bit weird and confusing. But the good news, God knew we'd struggle with all of this. God being God, he knew we'd have a hard time. He knew that this relationship dynamic wouldn't be super easy. And so, well, he's a good father. He says, listen, he even says, says, you know, even a good father, a good earthly father, their son asked for a loaf of bread, is not going to give him a stone. They asked for a fish, isn't going to give him a snake. He's a good father, and I'm better. I'm heavenly father. So he's no ordinary father. He's greater than all of this. And so hundreds of times throughout the New Testament, he's trying to build to this. He's trying to reveal. Even in the Old Testament, he would tell them, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm God of Israel. I'm almighty. I'm powerful, right? God that sends the plagues. God that parts the sea. But I want to be your father. I want a relationship. I want an intimate relationship with you. God would constantly say. And so then we get to the New Testament, and Jesus shows up in the form of his son. So it makes it even more obvious that he wants to be seen as a dad. And then he knew we'd struggle. And so in Romans Romans 8, he gives us this amazing verse in which the Holy Spirit begins to just kind of wrap it all up for us. Right? Walks in and kind of unveils this work, this completed work, and begins to really testify of who God really is. It says this in Romans 8. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians says something similar in Galatians 4 and 6. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now, I don't know about you. But you're sitting here thinking, Dave, ABBA is a Swedish pop band from like the 70s. Sings Dancing Queen and all that. No, different ABBA, okay? But I'm glad you're awake. I'm glad you're up on your music, right? 
This word Abba or Abba, however you pronounce it, just means dad. See, it's not that formal heavenly father like we often think of. It's dad. It's personal. It's intimate. It's relational. He says, because we're adopted as his sons, because we're invited into the family, because we become sons and daughters of God, then we get to call him dad. That the Holy Spirit, part of what it's doing as it lives in us, it's working to reveal that nature of God. That the Holy Spirit's spurring you into seeing God as a father. That God desperately wants you to walk into a deeper understanding that you are a child of a perfect, loving, heavenly father. That when we worship, we go to church, we serve, we give, we help others, everything is changed by this dynamic that I'm not just Dave doing that. I'm a son of God doing that. I'm a son of the king. And so over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to talk about because I want to help you, and I really want to help myself because I'm on this journey with you. I'll be real honest. I want to walk deeper. I want to take another step into this understanding of God because when we do, it changes everything. So maybe you're here today and you didn't plan on being here and somebody bribed you. Uh, maybe you're here for the food. Maybe you're here because there's a pretty girl across the room. I don't know why you're here, right? But you, we start talking about dad, and you may hear, you may think, you know what, Dave? I'm a little nervous when we talk about God. I've always tried to keep God at a distance. I don't really want to. I don't want to really step too far into that. I'm not. I'm a little suspicious. I'm a little fearful of this whole call God dad thing. I get that a hundred percent. So we're gonna look at one verse today. And we're going to answer the question, how? How do we get, how do we take another step into that understanding, into that relationship that God wants us to have? 1 John, okay, if you've got your Bibles, it's toward the end. 1 John 3, verse 1. It's the only verse we're going to cover the rest of the time together, all right? Now, John's one of these guys. I love John. John wrote one of the, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? One of the four accounts of Jesus' life. But when he first comes on the scene, he is known as a son of thunder, right? He's a powerful guy. He knew the power of God. He loved the power of God. He loved big, mighty, awesome God. But by the end of his life, he's the, he's the son of love. Right? He becomes the guy that's all about Jesus' love and kindness. What made that shift? How did he go from a guy that was, was thunderbolts and lightning to love and grace and God's care for us? What did he see? What did he experience that made that shift? Well, that's what I want to leave you with today. That's what I want to give you because I love how he says it. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse one, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, look at that very last little, right after R, there's a little symbol. What is that symbol called? You didn't know it was English class today, did you? What is it? Exclamation point. Now, I had a English teacher when I was in middle school that would get on to us every time we would read a sentence that ended with an exclamation point and we didn't read it with an exclamation point. So are you ready? Here it goes. It says, and that 
is what we are. That's an exclamation point right there. That's how he wants us to read. That's what John's saying. Listen, yes, these words have been written down for thousands of years, but it doesn't change how he wrote them. John was excited. He says, listen, see how much God loved us. See this great love. I love that. It's not a mini love. It's not just enough love. It is a great love. It is a big love. It is a love that we get because we are children of God. It is a great love, not because we are greatly lovable, not because we have it all together, not because we're even easy to love. It's a great love because God is love. It's who he is. It's his nature, his very being. If you had a knife big enough to cut God open, he would bleed love. We get a great love from God. Because we get to be children of God. Not because we checked the right boxes or we attended church enough times or we did this or we did it. We receive this great love because it is a gift from God. It's a love that's so great, it's greater than our failure. It's greater than our sin. It's greater than our mistakes. It's greater than our shame. It's greater than our past. It's greater than anything. It's a great love of God that can transform any and everybody and I'm living proof of it if it can change me it can change you it's a great love but he doesn't stop at great love he says see what a great love the father has lavished that's my trans that's that's the translation the NIV says has lavished now we don't use that word very often I'm pretty sure other than reading this text I've never used the word lavished in my life and so I started thinking like what does that mean exactly like how What's, a, what's an illustration of, of lavished? I started looking. It's poured out on, poured out generously, poured out lovingly, poured out recklessly. And I got to thinking, where have I seen that before? And then I remembered my grandma's house. And in the summers, I would go stay with my grandma. My grandma would get up every morning bright and early, and she would make homemade biscuits. And then she'd fry the bacon. And then she would make home, and y'all are getting hungry now, aren't you? You're like, will he finish up so we can go home and eat lunch? I'm right there with you, right? But she would make homemade gravy. And I'll never forget. See, the thing about it is you go to a restaurant and order biscuits and gravy, they're going to give you some kind of rock that resembles a biscuit, and they're going to give you a little dollop of gravy on there. But not Grandma. Grandma lavishly poured out. Right? I mean, it was swimming in it. I wasn't sure there were biscuits under the gravy, but I was diving in to find out. That's God's love. Right? That we get to stand under a fountain of God's gravy, of God's love, as it just pours over us. It just covers us up. We're just swimming in the goodness and the greatness of God's love. That's what it says. We have lavished us. So we get to rest in his love and this great, mighty, powerful love, but we also get to receive his grace. This lavish gift that he just pours out recklessly, that he pours out freely and generously on us. And it's his grace because it's not bought and it's not earned. You go to work this week and and payday rolls around. Your boss doesn't walk up to you and say, hey, I've got a gift for you. Right? <laughs> Give my foot. I worked for that. Right? You, you don't go to the store and the cashier hands you your stuff back after you pay. Say, I got a gift for you. It's not a gift. You paid for it. 
You earned it. But God's grace, we don't earn it. We don't pay for it. It's already been paid for on our behalf. We just receive it. And we don't receive just enough to cover whatever we did wrong today. We receive God's fullness and love and grace and mercy. It's lavishly poured out on us. It covers all our sins. It takes everything. We just sit back and receive it. See what a great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Now, I love that one. That's my favorite, right? That God changes our name. That God names us. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things was baseball season. I was terrible at it. That's a story for another day, but I loved it. I loved getting the glove. And you get the glove, and you do all the stuff. You wrap the rubber band around it. You smack it. You hit it. You oil it up. You try and loosen it, right? And there's two things that get written on a glove. One is the name of whoever made it, right? Spalding or Rawlings or and the other one is whoever owns it right you write your name on there nobody's taking my glove this one's mine I love that that's what God does for me and you see the only one who has the right to name you is the one who made you the one who paid for you and that's God God is the one that gets to name you. God is the one that gets to decide who you are and what you're called. And he calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. We are children of the king. We are children of God. See, if we're really ever going to step forward into this understanding of God the Father, we've got to know that he's renamed us, that that is what we are. We are his children, and that changes everything. Because now I don't go through life operating as Dave. I don't go through life operating as a preacher or a dad or a son or a brother or an employee or an employer. I go through life walking and moving as a child of God. And that's hard. Because lots of people try and name us, don't they? Lots of people give us labels and names. They want to put things on us like, Lost cause, addict, sinner. See, I've got some of those names too. I didn't bring it with me, but I've got, I've got a file. And in that file, there are names like disappointment, and fraud, and failure. Names like insincere. But you know what? None of them are written by God. And God is the only one that gets to name me. And God is the only one that gets to name you. Because he made you. And he loved you enough to pay the price for you. See what a great love the Father has lavished on us. And has called us children of God. That is what we are. So see, here's the, here's the punchline. You ready for it? When you leave here today, you're going to step back out into the same world you stepped out of this morning. But it doesn't matter what that world thinks of you because you have the opportunity to step back into your world as a child of God. And maybe you've been that for a long time. Maybe you received him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you were baptized and you have been calling God your Heavenly Father for a really long time, but you've forgotten. 
and you let some other people write some names on there. It's time to get rid of those names. Or maybe, just maybe, you've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never walked into a relationship with God as your Father. Today's the day. Today's the day that you step back into your world knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you can rest in His love. You've received His grace, and He is the only one that renames you. You are a child of God. That is what you are. And your Heavenly Father's looking at you, and He's saying, you're not a failure. failure. You're a child of God. You're not a disappointment. You're a child of God. You're not misunderstood. You're not forgotten. You're not, you're not overlooked. You're not the sum of all your mistakes. You are a child of God. Let God rename you. Let God decide. Because when you do, when you lean into the Father calling you His child, it changes everything. It changes everything. So our prayer, our worship is just simply... Just be a kid and cry out to your father. God, I need your help. God, I need you in my life today. God, I need you to give me strength. I need you to show up. You're just a child asking your dad for help. And whether you had a great earthly father and that's easy to see, or you had a terrible one and you have a hard time, God says, no, 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 don't worry about that. They're just a picture. They just wanted to show you that you could have a father. Now, I'm going to step in and be your perfect father loving heavenly father so here's how we're going to close we're going to close i'm going to pray somebody's singing jonathan you singing jonathan's mic'd up ready to go back there i'm going to pray we're going to sing you can respond you can respond right where you're sitting you can come down and talk to me you can find ron you can talk to whoever you trust but here's the invitation here's there's twofold right there are people who have never experienced god as your father today's your day Come and talk to one of us. We'll tell you exactly, help you find your next steps, meet you where you are, and get you where God wants you. Second invitation is just simply this, that as we pray, as I pray, as we sing, I just want you to have a little conversation with God. God, send your Holy Spirit. Send your Holy Spirit and just just help kind of clear off some of that baggage. Clear out my heart of some of those scars. Clear my mind so that I can see you, God, the way you want me to see you let's pray and then we'll sing heavenly father dad creator of this earth and you loved us enough to create us in your image god we can't thank you enough god when when maybe the whole world looks down on us you're lifting us up saying they're mine and you're proud of us and you love us you got a plan and a purpose for us God, so for anybody in the room today that's never surrendered their life, they've never stepped into a father-child relationship with you, they've never experienced your grace and your love, would you give them the courage to ask for help doing that today? And God, for those of us that have done that, as we sit here and we, we talk to you and we sing to you, would you just silence the voice of the enemy that's telling us we're failures? We're not enough. We're, we're just, we'll never measure up. We'll never overcome. And would you help us receive your great love and walk out today knowing that you've claimed us. You own us. We are adopted by you. 
We are children of God. That is what we are. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray it all in your son's name. Amen.